Raise your hand if you don't have the notes, okay? They'll help you to study later uh, and as well as uh, follow along. Hebrews 11:6. but without faith it is impossible to please him. I'm a little echoey up here. Are y'all hearing echo? No? You are? I'm in Carlsbad Caverns up here. Um, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. A couple of weeks ago, we looked at some practical action steps we can take to deal with the unbelief in our lives. And I think that if we're honest, the truth is most of us struggle with unbelief more than we're willing to admit. But what we do with our time, what we do with our money, certain relationships we spend more time involved in at times, you know, those reveal really levels of belief and unbelief in our lives. And so I believe that the Lord is helping us to take action steps to deal with the unbelief in our lives. And I shared a picture of a lumberjack um, and the axe that he has in his hand is an action step, A-X, action step, that we take. This is a metaphor, a picture of trees of unbelief in our life. And we take the axe, and thanks to Pastor Nate, Nate, Pastor Nate has an axe. I do not carry an axe around, but he does. <laughs> and so I shared seven practical, seven axes, seven practical steps we can take to, to attack, to chop at trees of unbelief in seven different specific areas. And those are uh, in the message a few weeks ago. The notes are out in, I don't know if the notes are out there, but you can look at those. I'm, I'm going to be careful with this, so I'll put it away. <laughs> <clears throat> The seven steps that I shared before were, were um, forgiving, uh, thanksgiving, forsaking sin, giving financially into the kingdom of God, praying in the spirit, uh, taking God's word like medicine, and then obeying 1 Timothy 2 verses 1 and 2 with regard to praying for our government, seeing God affect change in our government. And so those, like I said, those are seven practical things we can do in paragraph B in your notes. The big takeaway last time and this time is that there are practical things we can do even while we are at a low level of belief. Even when we feel, don't feel like we have much faith. I, I love the man in the scripture that said to Jesus, I believe, but help my own belief. I want that kind of honesty in my life. Because see, when we don't feel like we have very much belief, we tend to not have confidence before God. I'm not confident before God, therefore I don't really take any action steps and I just kind of, wishful thinking, hope things turn out or hope, hope the storm passes or things like that. But that's not what God wants for us. We have been given a number of practical axes, things we can do, and we can either 
take the axe in our, in our hands and start wailing away, or we can leave it on the ground. And if we leave the axe on the ground, we stay stuck to a certain degree in our Christian walk. And we don't enter in to God's best for us. And the key, one of the key principles there is to keep on swinging the axe. He is a rewarder. See, that there's a tree standing between you and the reward God has for you. He's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Of those who swing and keep swinging. What does Jesus say? Ask, knock, and seek. And the literal Greek there is ask and keep on asking, and it will be answered. Knock and keep on knocking. Seek and keep on seeking. So it's the same principle. Today I want to look at an eighth axe. That's kind of a tongue twister, an eighth axe. Say it ten times real fast if you dare. But an eighth axe that we can use to defeat unbelief. And in particular, this, this axe has to do with the general lifestyle of unbelief, but it can apply to just about any need in your life. Just like Kyle shared with the communion, we step into the wounds of Jesus for that need we have. What we just did today with communion was an action step. You got up and you literally stepped. And you literally took the bread and the cup. So there are many, but I want to look at this one because it's so huge. It is confessing with our mouth to deal with the general lifestyle of unbelief. Confessing with our mouth. Now, to confess means basically two things according to Scripture. When you confess something, first it means to say out of your mouth something boldly and publicly. Now, it doesn't mean you have to be around a lot of people, but it means you, could, you break the sound barrier. You're bold, and you're actually saying and putting breath to your vocal cords, and you're confessing. Second meaning, according to Scripture, means confess means to say the same as. And so in this connection, the thing that confession is related to is the Bible. It's the Scripture. It's the Word of God. So to confess in our context here as believers, it means to we say the same thing with our mouth as God has said in His Word. Or to put it another way, we make the words of our mouth agree with the Word of God. The Word of God is already established. It is permanent. It does not change. But what comes out of our mouth can definitely change. It's established, but our words are not necessarily established. So confession is bringing the words of our mouth into alignment. There's that word for this year. Into alignment with the Word of God. I've shared a few messages in the first part of the year on alignment. Pastor Nate as well. And I believe this is another one of those. It's, it's aligning our words with what God has said in His Word. 2 Corinthians 4.13, Paul talks about the relationship between believing and speaking, between having faith and speaking something out of our mouth. 
2 Corinthians 4.13, Paul says, But having the same, notice there, spirit of faith, according to what is written, I believed, therefore I spoke. We also believe, and therefore also we speak. It says, it's got quotes there because Paul is quoting a psalm in the Old Testament. We don't need to go there with that. But Paul is making this connection. He's saying believing must lead to speaking. There's a connection there. What you believe in your heart must be expressed through your mouth. Matthew 12, 34, Jesus takes it a step further. He establishes a general principle. He says, for out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Or to put it another way, for the mouth speaks out of that which fills the heart. That can be translated that way as well. So paragraph little a there under B, think of it this way. When the heart is full, it overflows through the mouth in speech. The mouth is the overflow valve of the heart. So what flows out of the mouth tells us what's in the heart. It tells us what's in the heart. And I, and I was thinking about that, and I, and I did a little video here of this. It's, it's a little mini geyser in Yellowstone Park. But thinking out the idea that the mouth is the overflow valve of the heart, if you can go ahead and play that. See, down below, that that's coming out is your words. That's what's bubbling out of your mouth. That's the principle. Now, you might say, well, Glenn, what about lying? I mean, there's stuff in my heart, and I walk into a room, I'm like, oh, yeah, that looks really good, that hairstyle, yeah. <laughs> you know, in our heart, we're going, hmm. Okay, so you, you can, if you don't mind just showing it a little again without the volume, just kind of show it a couple times, because you, it's going to eventually come out what's in your heart, come out of your mouth. Anybody ever uh, say, talk to yourself? You find yourself talking to yourself? Only me, okay? <laughs> That's when you find out what's really in your heart. You're like, snuggle, rugger. I don't know why that woman made me do that. You know, that murmuring, grumbling, grumble and murmur. Murmur sounds like that water bubbling up, right? So if something in your heart is not right, that what's not right is going to come out of your mouth. But if something in your heart is right, then what's going to come out of your mouth is the, are right words. And so really you can't have one thing in your heart and something else with your mouth. It's going to come out. And when you have that right thing in your heart, you will say the right thing with your mouth. Now listen now, conversely, when you say the right thing with your mouth, you are filling your heart with that very thing. It works both ways. From the mouth to the heart and from the heart to the mouth. They're connected like a two-way street. And we see this 
really, I think, pretty vividly <clears throat> in uh, Paul, it, Paul sharing this in Romans uh, 8, excuse me, Romans 10, verses 8 through 10. He says three, three times here in this passage, you, you see if you can pick it out there. It's in your notes as well. Three times he, he shares this principle of the, the, the mouth to the heart and the heart to the mouth three times back to back. Let's look at it. The word is near you. We're, we're, let me stop before that and say we're talking about the acts of confessing with our mouth that has a very powerful effect on unbelief in our life. Oh, I just don't have a hard, I have a hard time believing. I have a hard time. Well, is the axe on the ground or is the axe in your hand? Well, pastor, I'm having this trouble or so-and-so, help me, help me. Well, where's your axe? I got to be careful with that. Is it on the ground or is it in your hand? Don't look at me, Pastor Bill. We've made jokes about this through the week in private. Now in public. <laughs> Romans 10, 8 through, yes, I, I asked Nate if he would bring his axe to church. <laughs> Nobody's leaving. Good. All right. We're family, right? Right? Okay. <laughs> the word is near you. Three times. Let's see the principle. The word is near you. In your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That is the great basic requirement for being saved. It's confessing with your mouth, Jesus, you're my Lord, and believing in your heart, God raised him from the dead. What a powerful connection. Then verse 10, for with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So three times there, if you'll keep the, ver the scripture up, please, thank you. Three times Paul joins together the mouth and the heart. In verse 8, it's the mouth first, then the heart. In verse 9, again, it is the mouth first, and then the heart. But then Paul reverses the order in verse 10. He says, for with the heart, uh, with, uh, let, me go, let me go back to it. Where is it? Yeah. It, with the heart, one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. So the Bible links up the mouth and the heart. The heart's expressed through the mouth, but also what we say with the mouth. I'm saying this kind of over and over to get it in our minds. But what also what we say with our mouth affects what is in our heart. You know, last time on this, I, one of the acts, action steps was praying in the Spirit for general unbelief. Because Jude 20 says, building yourself up in your most holy faith by praying in the Spirit. So clearly, that's this principle illustrated. It's just not, you're not speaking English. You're not speaking what the Word says, Word of God says. You're praying in a heavenly prayer language, but you're publicly breaking the sound barrier. You're praying in the Spirit, 
And then that's filling your heart. It's building you up in your most holy faith. Same principle from the mouth to the heart. So now that we got this connection here, I want to share this. This was something interesting I found out. The phrase, how many of you have heard the phrase to learn by heart? You learn something by heart. You know, well, in Hebrew, that phrase literally means, it really is translated to learn by mouth. To learn by the mouth. And when you think about it, that's really true. The way you learn something by heart is you keep repeating it with your mouth. When I was in elementary school, you know, I'd get up and have my chocolate Pop-Tarts and my Carnation Instant Breakfast. But back then, it was, it was literally called Gorilla Milk and, and Chocolate Elephants. So that was my breakfast. I know all the millennials gasped, but that's what I had. It had my protein, it had my energy for the day. But I'd have my gorilla milk and my chocolate elephants, and I'd go to school and I would learn my times tables. Three times seven is 21, four times seven is 28, five times seven is 35, six times seven is 42. And I'd repeat them out of my mouth. Yeah, I'm, now you're impressed. <laughs> I would repeat with my mouth over and over. So I was learning by heart by learning by my mouth. I said it over and over and over to where if you woke me up, you know, if you woke me up tonight in the middle of a thunderstorm and said, Glenn, Glenn, what's six times seven? I'd say, 42. (laughs) Nine times seven, 63, you know. Because it's here, because it kept coming out of here. So when we we see these connections, it's all through Scripture. So, well, I don't have a lot of faith. I don't have... Well, if we continue to confess, if you keep swinging the axe, you start to learn it by heart. You start to see a circumstance and say, oh, no, 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 God's Word says this. Oh, no, 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 six times seven is 42 because I kept saying it out of my mouth. Now let's look at this. I'm going to kind of zoom in here as we lead toward my closing part. And I think we're going to break up into groups again for a little bit, discussion groups. But I want to zoom in on how confession specifically is an act. Look at that verse 10. Paul says, With the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Unto, that word, tends to show us that salvation is a process. Notice, entering into salvation is a process indicated by the unto. Confession is made unto salvation. So what is salvation? Well, we know know the main meaning for salvation is you become born again. But the Greek word is sozo... And it is an all-inclusive word to describe all that has been obtained for us by the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. It's an umbrella term, salvation. It includes the benefits that we need, benefits for our body, for our mind, for our emotions, 
for our material provision, for our spirit, for both time and eternity. God wants us to enter into full salvation. So we understand, right? When I say salvation, I'm talking any need or situation you have in your life that's legitimate is met through the blood of Jesus on the cross, and it's called salvation. So he says there in Romans 10, 10, confess, confession, with the mouth confession is made unto. You enter into this process of salvation. So here's the picture of it. If you don't mind putting the picture of the, the tree back up there, the guy with the axe, that's a little better. But I, don't, I just wanted to do it this way to show it. By the way, thank you, Michelle Cheney, for doing this. I put, you, I put you to work, and you, Derek, as well. So, so here's the, that's the tree, okay? That's the tree of unbelief, all right? That's the tree of unbelief. On the other side is the benefit, the, the part of the salvation I want. I need physical healing. I need financial provision. I need forgiveness of sin, whatever that is. And so I either let the axe stay there and go, oh, there's a tree in the way. Or I say, wait, I have an action step called confession. Confession, I keep saying that aspect of God's word. I will be careful. I'm going to do it for real. You keep hitting, you keep going. The unbelief goes down. Yeah, yes, that's what I want. I've been, you know, I've been, cha- I've been changing since I preached this a couple weeks ago. I've been doing a lot of the things I preached. Surprising. I've been praying in tongues a lot more. So the tree goes down, and therefore now I have access to the benefit because the tree was blocking me. See? The tree was blocking me. So, so a couple of specific examples that I, that I would share would be you, take, you take, take guilt, for example. Christians, many Christians, different times we, we have a struggle believing that God really has forgiven us of our sins. The enemy wants to pile guilt on us. He does his thing. We maybe have people around us trying to remind us, I told you so. And then we have our own voice telling us. So that's that, that's that unbelief that God's really forgiven me. So Romans 8.1, I'll put it in your notes, says, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Now, I've got to make that personal, okay? So I say, I'm in Christ Jesus. I'm in you, Lord. I'm a believer in you, Jesus. So there is therefore now no condemnation for me. I refuse to feel condemnation. I thank you. You completely forgave me. You cleansed me by your blood. There's no condemnation for me in Christ Jesus. And I keep saying it. 
and saying it, not all trees are the same size. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Yeah. So one can take years, one can just take a few, a few moments. But that's one. The second one is with provision. The unbelief, will God really provide my needs? And there's so many verses, scriptures you can take. But when Suzanne and I were with, our, when Kyle and Grace were very small, we, could you come on up? Yeah. Uh, we, would, we would say this daily, no acts around. <laughs> we would hold hands and we would quote 2 Corinthians 9, 8 out of our mouth, and we would make it personal. I don't know if you're ready for this. I don't know which version you were at. I briefed you just before. And our God shall supply. Yeah, so we say, thank you, God, that you shall supply all our needs according to your riches in glory. By oh, no, that's not it. Oh, God, you are able to make all grace abound toward us that we, having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. Thank you. We would say that over and over, and we watched somehow God was providing. You know, somehow he did. But that's so powerful, too, because we are one flesh. We're in covenant. So we not only quoted the word, but we quoted the word with her five and my five didn't make a 10, it made a 25. Yeah. You see? So that's why the enemy wants y'all fighting with each other. Yeah. So you can't do that. Yeah. All right, let's get in some chairs. Now let's break up for, for a few minutes. Just take four, four to six people and y'all can just kind of appoint a little leader. I'd like the worship team. If y'all would go ahead and come on up here.